You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. All right, let's take our Bible this morning. Let's turn to the book of Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. This morning we're going to do a search for Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. A search for Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Most everyone would agree that Jesus Christ can clearly be found in the New Testament scriptures. But many would say, I've never seen him in the Old Testament. Is he really there? I'm here to tell you today, he's everywhere in the Old Testament. Even Aaron touched on that this morning in his Sunday school lesson, sharing some of the prophecies in the book of Isaiah that pointed to the coming Messiah, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Luke chapter 24. I want to read verse 1 through verse 3, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit of what is going on here in this chapter. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them, and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. So we know what day it is. You're trying to tell me my mic needs to be on? Okay, it's on. Let me turn on back there. We know what day it is. It's resurrection day. The Bible said, if Christ be not raised from the dead, our faith is what? Our faith is in vain, and we are yet in our sin. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely the most important foundational truth of Scripture. So now we are... Coming into this passage, it's early in the morning. They come to the sepulcher. The ladies find not the body of the Lord Jesus. And they go back to tell the disciples. And then you remember that Peter and John run to the, to the sepulcher. And, and Peter runs in. And the body of the Lord Jesus is not there. And so they all kind of come back. And they're talking among themselves. And he's not there. Now there's two disciples that have left Probably mid-afternoon, they have left Jerusalem, and they're now going back to their hometown in Emmaus. One of these disciples' names is given. He wasn't one of the twelve, but he certainly was a disciple of the Lord Jesus. So they're now on their way. Are you still with me? It's Resurrection Sunday. Sunday morning, the tomb is empty. They cannot find the Lord Jesus. These two men are leaving Jerusalem, going back to their hometown. They're talking about all the events that have just taken place, and alongside of them comes the Lord Jesus. Now, the Bible says their eyes were holding. They didn't recognize that it was the Lord. He must have had somewhat of a different appearance after his resurrection. So he joins up with these two men, and he engages in conversation with them, and he asks them what they're talking about. What are you talking about? And they said, man, are you a stranger around here? Don't you know what has transpired in the last three days? And they go all through the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they said, and we, we hoped, we hoped that he was the promised one. 
Our, our faith was in him being our Messiah. And yet we haven't seen him. And here they are talking to the very one. Now we want to pick up here in verse 25. And he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe. Now here's what I want you to see. To believe all that the what? Prophets have spoken. Who are these prophets that he's referring to? The Old Testament prophets. Verse 26. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to entered into his glory? Here we go again. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the what? Scriptures. What scriptures? The Old Testament scriptures. The scriptures that prophesied of him. Now take your Bible and go to the book of John. And chapter 5. John chapter 5. Pick up with verse 17. Here we find Jesus healing a man that had been lame for 38 years. He had no one when the angel would stir the water of the pool. He had no one to take him and put him into the pool that he could experience healing. And, and for 38 years, he lay by the pool, hoping that somehow, by some miracle, he'd be able to get into the pool at the movement of the angel and he would be healed from his lameness. Well, the Jesus comes across this man and has compassion upon him. And he looks down at the man. He says, give me your hand. And the man reaches his hand up and he lifts the man up. And the man stands upon his two feet for the first time in 38 years. And the Lord Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. He bent down. He picked up his bed. And the Bible says he went walking and leaping and praising God. Now, when did Jesus do this? He did it on the Sabbath. So the religious leaders heard what the Lord Jesus had done. They were very angry with him. They weren't rejoicing that this man could not walk. They were angry with him because, first of all, he healed someone on the Sabbath day, to which I say, get over it, guys. And beside that, oh, he told the man to pick up his bed. Can't do any work on the Sabbath day. And they literally sought to put Christ to death because he had done this amazing work. We see that in verse 16. Now verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh here too, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath by healing this man and telling him to take up his bed, but said also that God was his father, watch this church, making himself, say it with me, equal with God. Question, 
Was Jesus equal with God? I and my father are one. They picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, why do you seek to kill me? For a good work? They said, no, not for a good work, but for blasphemy. Because thou makest, that thou being a man, makest thyself out to be God. So here we see that they wanted to kill him, not only because of the miracle, but because he placed himself in equality with God. And I'm here to tell you, he was God. We come to verse 19 to verse 21. We see he is equal with the power of God. We'll look at verse 22 through verse 30. He's equal with the authority of God. Then we find in verse 31 through verse 35, we find the witness of John the Baptist that truly Jesus was God. He was God incarnate. Then we find in verse 36, uh, we find the witness of the works that Christ did. Declaring who he was through his works. Now we find, are you still with me? Now we find the testimony of God the Father concerning his son Jesus. Verse 37. And the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. Now, pull it in here. Where did God give witness of who Jesus was? In the Old Testament. In all the prophecies of the Old Testament. And the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word, referring to the Old Testament, ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he has sent him ye believed not. You did not believe the prophecies that the Father gave you concerning me. Verse 39. Search the scriptures. What scriptures? The Old Testament. New Testament hadn't been written yet. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, you go back into the inspired Old Testament and you read the Old Testament and all those prophecies of the Old Testament are fulfilled in me. Verse 46. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. For he, Moses, wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings... How shall ye believe my word? So it's very, very clear that throughout the Old Testament, we have all of these prophecies that pointed to the coming of the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Church family, fulfilled prophecy is one of the greatest proofs of the inspiration of Scripture. It is also one of the greatest proofs of the deity of Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, that he is co-equal with God. I came across this article that was taken from a book written by Peter Stoner. Now, 
probably none of you here today have ever heard of this man by the name of Peter Stoner. I hadn't either. Now stay with me. It's very important. Is the air on? How many of you are warm? Okay, we got a few that are warm. How many of you are just right? How many of you are cold? Okay, get over it. <laughs> but Peter Stoner was born on June 16th, 1888. He passed away on March 1st of 1980, making him 92 years of age when he went to be with the Lord. He was the chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena City College until 1953. He was the chairman of the Science Division of Westmont College from 1953 to 1957. He was the Professor Emeritus of Science at Westmont College, Professor Emeritus of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena City College. Peter Stoner is best known for a book that he wrote, and here's the title of the book, Science Speaks. Now we know the Bible talks about science falsely so-called, but true science speaks to the truth of this book. In his book, he proved, you all got to listen to this, it's amazing. In his book, he proved that it is impossible by the law of mathematical probability for Jesus Christ not to be the one true Messiah of Israel, the Son of God, as proclaimed in the Holy Scriptures. Stoner points out that the law of mathematical possibilities makes it totally and completely impossible that anyone other than Jesus Christ could be the Messiah, the Son of God. The Old Testament, remember, these are they which prophesy of me. The, the, the Old Testament contains over 300 references and prophecies to the Messiah that were fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Over 300. Using science of probability on just eight. Now, how many are there? Some 300. We're only going to take eight. Using the science of probability on just eight of these prophecies shows the chance that someone could have fulfilled all eight prophecies is 10 to the 17th power. Now, for those who are well-schooled in mathematics like I am, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> but 10th to the 17th power means a one in a hundred quadrillion chances that Jesus was not the Son of God. Wow. Peter confirmed that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. Take your Bible and turn to uh, the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10. And I want you to look at verse 43. 
But again, let me give you a little bit of background into why Peter says what he does in verse 43. Up till Acts chapter 10, the only people that had been presented with the gospel and had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and received him as Savior were Jews. No Gentiles up to this time had been saved. Now God is going to move in, come on now, God is going to move into the Gentile world and he's going to call Gentiles unto himself. But whosoever believeth in him should not perish, whether Jew or Gentile. The first Gentile to be saved was a man by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion in the Roman army, and he was the head of the Italian guard. Not only was he a man of great authority, but he was a man of tremendous wealth. He had many servants. He had a very large family. The Bible gives us a testimony concerning him. It says he was a devout man. He was very, very religious. He was a devout man. The Bible says he was a just man. That means he was a good man. The Bible says he was a man who feared God. He was a man who was very generous with the wealth that he had. And the Bible also says that he was a praying man. Now one thing we know about Cornelius, he was devout, just, feared God, very generous, and a praying man, but he was lost. He wasn't a saved man. Can you be religious and yet lost? Can you be a good person and be lost? Can you be a praying person and still not know Christ? Yes. So there's something that's missing in Cornelius' uh, Cornelius's life, even though he was such a good man. And so one occasion, I mean, he is praying. He is seeking the Lord. What is missing in my life? He's crying out to the Lord, and an angel of God appears to him. God hears his prayer. And the angel of God says to him, you need to send some of your servants over to Joppa because there's a man there by the name of Peter and he's going to come and he's going to tell you what you're missing in your life. I've been a lot, of, a lot of religious people who are good people and fine people, but they're just missing something here. And what they're missing is a relationship with God through his son, the Lord Jesus. So this is exactly what Cornelius does. He sends his servants to go get Peter. Peter comes. Go to verse uh, 24 with me. You'll see that he's waiting for him to come. When Peter comes into his house, he's called all of his relatives and all of his near friends. All of his servants are there. Do, do you get an idea? There's a bunch of folks in Cornelius' house waiting for Peter to show up. Listen, he is excited about what Peter has to tell him. When Peter walks into his house, he falls down on his knees to worship Peter. Does anyone know what Peter did? He said, get up. I'm a man just like you are. Don't bow down and worship me. God's the only one we bow down before. Verse 34. 
Then Peter, what? Opened his mouth. And if you'll keep on reading, you will find that Peter clearly presents to him the gospel. Tells him who the Lord Jesus is, that Jesus died on the rugged cross, was buried and rose again to save his soul. It's also interesting that he says this now in verse 43 as he's wrapping up his message to Cornelius and all of his kinfolks and friends that are gathered together. He said to him, to Jesus, gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Now, how many know the end of the story? Does Cornelius believe? He believes many, many there within, and it almost sounds like everyone got saved. And then they had a good old-fashioned baptismal service. Amen? Amen? Got saved and got baptized. But I thought it was just so interesting here that he says, To him gave all the prophets witness. Now I want to do something that I seldom do on a Sunday. I want to give a little PowerPoint presentation here. And this is for the sake of uh, about a third of you who are sleeping. Okay? Now, I know, I know that I'm, this is a doctrinal message, isn't it? This is totally a doctrinal message. This is some of what you call the, the meat. This is not the milk of the word. But I actually have a message I'm going to preach one of these Sundays. Why doctrine is so important. Listen, if Jesus Christ is not the fulfillment of all these Old Testament prophecies, this book is not true. Jesus is not the Son of God. We're not saved. Everything we believe in is foolishness. So I want you to stay with me here. Now remember, how, how, how many prophecies had to be fulfilled in Christ to make it impossible that he was not the Messiah, the Son of God? Only eight. All right? How many were there? Over 300. Now, being the teacher like I am, I'm tempted to take all 300 and show them to you today. But I'm only going to pull out 21. Okay, I'm only going to pull out 21. What I'm going to do is just hit the highlights through the life of Christ here from all these prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in him. Okay? First of all, the Bible prophesies that he, was, that he would be born in Bethlehem. Was that fulfilled? Matthew chapter 2. The Bible said that he would be born of a virgin. Listen, many of our new translations leave out the word virgin and put in the word young woman. Throw those in the garbage. He wasn't born of a young woman. He was born of a virgin. This was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. The Bible prophesies that the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. Did he come from the tribe of Judah? Luke chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 7. The Bible said upon his birth there would be a massacre of children. Was there a massacre of children by Herod? Yes, there was, Matthew chapter 2. The Bible says that the Messiah would spend his youth in where? Egypt. Did they flee to Egypt? Absolutely. Again, Matthew chapter 2. 
The Bible prophesies that the Messiah would have a forerunner who would prepare people for his coming. Who was that forerunner? It was John the Baptist. The Messiah uh, would make a triumphal entry, riding in on a donkey. Did this happen? Absolutely. Matthew chapter 21. The Bible prophesies that the Messiah would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Who sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver? Judas. Matthew chapter 26. The, Messiah, the Bible prophesies that the Messiah would be betrayed by one of his closest friends. Was he? Absolutely. And there you'll see the fulfillment of those as Judas gave him the kiss of death. The Bible said that the Messiah would be rejected by his own people. What did they say? We will not have this man to rule over us. Give us Barabbas. The Bible prophesies that the Messiah would remain silent when he was accused and when he was afflicted. The Bible says as a lamb before the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. The Bible said the Messiah would be uh, <clears throat> the betrayal money uh, for the Messiah would be used because they couldn't use it. Remember Judas came and he threw it back and then he goes out and hung, hangs himself. They took that money and they used it to buy a potter's field in which they would bury strangers who had no place to be buried. That is exactly what happened in Matthew chapter 27. The Bible prophesies in the Old Testament that the Messiah would die by crucifixion. Did he? Absolutely. The Bible says that the Messiah's hands and his feet would be pierced. Were they? Just exactly as the Bible prophesied. The Bible said the Messiah would be crucified with criminals. Was he? One on one side, one on the other. The Bible said that those who uh, arrested him, now this is hundreds and hundreds of years before that happened, that those who arrested him would cast lots for his garment. Did they cast lots for his garment? Do you think those soldiers had any idea they were fulfilling Old Testament prophecy? The Bible says not one of the Messiah's bones would be broken. And they weren't. The Bible says the Messiah's side would be pierced. And it was, and forthwith came out blood and water. The Bible prophesies that the Messiah would be God's sacrifice for sin. And the Bible very clearly states that he was our sacrifice. The Bible says the Messiah would resurrect from the dead. And did he resurrect from the dead? Only eight would make it 100 quad trillion chance that Jesus was not who he claimed to be. See, for those, here's what I want to say to you. For those who deny that this book is the word of God, the inerrant, infallible, authoritative word of God, I'm here to tell you today, you're in dangerous territory. You have no idea where your denial of the scripture will take you in your life. One of the greatest proofs of the inspiration of Scripture and the deity of Christ is fulfilled prophecy. 
There's no question in my mind that the greatest subject of all times is Jesus Christ. Not one question. The Apostle Paul put it this way. And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. As you read throughout the New Testament, what did the apostles preach? Christ. They preached Christ. They preached Christ. Peter said it this way, that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, not only did we write, but we preached about the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. There is no greater theme, no greater theme in preaching and teaching than Jesus Christ. The Bible says in all things, He's to have the what, church? He is to have the preeminence. There's no greater person. He has a name which is above every name. There is no, there, listen, there is no one who ascends to the level of Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. You may remember when Peter healed a lame man who had been lame from birth. And all the religious leaders are so upset that Peter healed this lame man because it result, his, healing of, his healing of the lame man resulted in the salvation of 5,000 souls. And the religious leaders are so upset. And they come to Peter and they say unto him, we have a question for you. By whose power and by whose authority and in whose name do you think that you have healed this man? I love Peter's response. Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said, Ye rulers of the people and ye elders of Israel, if this day I be examined for the good deed done to the impotent man, and by what means he hath been made whole, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel, that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you all. This is the stone that was set in not of you, the builders, which has become the head of the corner. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Jesus is who the Bible declares him to be. As you dig into the Old Testament, you will find him everywhere. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive Remission of sins. I want to close with this. The salvation of the Ethiopian eunuch. 
Who had the privilege of leading the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ? Philip. Philip was an evangelist. And the Lord moves on Philip's heart to go into the desert of Gaza and find a man sitting in his chariot reading the Old Testament. Now this man, the Ethiopian eunuch, was a man of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. And he had left Ethiopia and he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he was a Jewish convert. He was coming back, headed back to Ethiopia, and he's in the middle of the desert. And God tells Philip, you go to the middle of the desert, I got a guy there for you to talk to. And so Philip obeys, he goes... And he finds this Ethiopian reading from the Old Testament. Now, what does the Old Testament point to? Jesus. And guess what he's reading? Isaiah chapter 53. And as he's reading that, Philip comes up to him and he says, Sir, do you, do you know who you're reading about? He says, Man, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm unsure. How can I know unless someone tell me? Philip says exactly what I want to do. And the Bible says that from Isaiah 53, Old Testament, he preached unto him Jesus. And what happened to the Ethiopian eunuch? He got saved. There just happened to be a pool of water in the middle of the desert. He didn't take out his canteen and sprinkle a little bit of water over his head. And he says, what doth hinder me to be baptized? He said, do you believe in Jesus with all your heart? He said, absolutely, sir. They go down and they're baptized. Led to the Lord from the Old Testament. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.